Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a bold and blended life. Today's guest is Tess Masters, aka the Blender Girl. She's a powerful spokesperson for a healthy plant-based lifestyle and, as you'll discover, a force of nature. Growing up in Australia on a meat and three veg diet, as she puts it, she was plagued at age 14 with extreme lethargy. She went to a naturopath who suggested that she eliminate gluten, meat, and dairy, and within 48 hours, she felt dramatically better. So she became intrigued by the concept of food as medicine and embarked on a quest, still in her teens, for the perfect diet. She dabbled in Ayurvedic, vegan, raw, paleo, macrobiotic, and while all the diets came with benefits, her overall attitude was one of stress and worry. As her dad told her one day, are you having any fun? Because we're not watching you. So Tess loosened up and eventually gave up searching for the ideal human diet. Instead, she looked for a joyful, sustainable, healthy way of eating that worked for her. And while the diet gurus staked out their positions and bickered among themselves about details, she noticed the fundamentals that just about everyone agreed upon. Reduce processed foods and increase non-starchy veg and leafy greens. Tess launched the Blender Girl brand after starting a food blog in 2010 and discovering blending both as an easy way to get lots of veggies and greens into the diet and as a metaphor for an eclectic and pragmatic approach to life. The blender, Tess realized, levels the playing field in the kitchen. You don't need lots of time or cordon bleu skills or oodles of money to get good for you food into your mouth and your bloodstream. In a world in a hurry, blending is a way to achieve close to instant gratification without sacrificing quality. So in our conversation, we talked about blending and food and nutrition and health and Tess's journey as an eater and as a chef. But what I found truly inspiring was our conversation about her life trajectory, about being bold and claiming her voice as a force for good in the world, about being both strategic and also acknowledging that things work out the way they're supposed to, and about being an actor faced with rejection on a daily basis and choosing to be bold and take risks and ask, why not me? Seriously. Plus, as a bonus, Tess shares some of her blending secrets, including how to make your own crackers, skincare, cleaning products, compost, sauces, oil-free salad dressings, and 
a secret ingredient in strawberry ice cream that she swears will make your day. Before we get there, two quick announcements. First one, the WellStart Health 12-week on-ramp to health starts yesterday, January 7th. There is still time, if you hurry, to join this train. It's pulling out of the station, but if you run, you can still catch up to it. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait till, oh, March for the next chance to work with me and Josh and our other coaches to make 2019 your healthiest year ever, to lose those extra pounds, to manage or reverse chronic disease, to feel better, to have better mood, to become the athlete that maybe you used to be or never thought you could be. So run, don't walk, metaphorically, to wellstarthealth.com program and read about it. And if you like it, click apply and we can get you in just under the gun, just before the doors are closed and the train is gone. So uh, check that out, wellstarthealth.com slash program. Second thing, I would like to invite you to become a supporter of this show. If you are a regular and you haven't either left a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever they call it these days. That's a quick and free way to help spread the word, to help it rise in the Apple Podcast algorithm so other people can discover it. And the second thing, if you do have a few bucks, it would really mean a lot to me, both practically and psychologically, if you were to become a patron of the show. And you can do that at plantyourself.com. On the right sidebar, there is a button that says Patreon which allows you to become an ongoing monthly supporter of the show. This really, really helps me. Um, I won't lie, times are tight right now with WellStart just starting to get some traction and me devoting, you know, five, ten hours a week to the podcast. Um, so if you like the podcast and you want to let me know and let the world know that you value the time that I spend preparing finding guests, recording, post-production, promoting the show, all that stuff. Um, you can just go to plantyourself.com, click on the Patreon link, or go straight to patreon.com, search for Plant Yourself. Even a dollar a month makes a difference. Um, if, if, if every single one of my subscribers gave a dollar a month, then I would not have to worry about money. <laughs> I could just focus on producing this show the best I could. But I know everyone's not going to do that, and everyone can't do that. Not everyone has disposable income. So if you do, and you'd like to support the show, and you enjoy the fact that it's free for everyone, then you can join me in subsidizing that and continuing to make a difference in the world. All right, so let's get to today's interview. Without further ado, Tess Masters, the Blender Girl. Welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So one of the things that I realized, um, I think we, we just you know spoke about this before we started recording, is I was really looking forward to this conversation because you're not fighting any battles, right? So I talked to a lot of <laughs> activists, um, a lot of people in the medical field, and you know, there's so much that's wrong with with the way our society is set up and the way we eat. And I've really, you know, rolled up my sleeves and and joined in and just thought that the just talking about fun food healthy eating blending and you're, you're just like this ambassador for this 
delicious, joyful, beautiful life. And like you, you don't have any enemies, at least that I can see <laughs> from from your website. So I just I just wanted to say how much how oh. much I'm looking forward to just a, an, an hour of joy. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, look, I mean, I obviously have you know strong opinions about things, and I have issues that I I really care about. Um, but you know, when I when I first started on my you know I don't know how would you say it serious journey where I was really incredibly conscious of the way that I was living my life, um, which was started when I was a teenager. Uh, I I fell into that extreme kind of behavior where I was fighting the entire world and looking for the answers every single day, you know, and, and trying to drag anyone and everyone that would listen to me. And, you know, I think that there there are some extraordinary um, activists in our community that do incredible things, and you know, grassroots efforts and 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 you know, so many initiatives, you know, do incredible work in the world. So I think there's absolutely a place for that. Um, and I certainly do support, you know, some causes. But for me, um, you know, with my own personal journey, I found that um, flexibility and fluidity, uh, not rigidity, were the keys uh, for success and happiness for me. Uh, and certainly when it comes to, to healthy eating, um, you know, I, you know, previously had adopted an extreme approach to eating. And it just wasn't very much fun and didn't make me very happy and it wasn't sustainable. So for me, you know, I feel like a much more gentle approach to health and wellness um, seems to be um, the key for me. And, and there's certainly um, I find that it inspires um, a lot of people to make small changes towards big shifts. And so, you know, I feel like when people make slow, gentle changes and they gradually um, feel how much better um, their life is, how much better they feel when they eat, um, you know, a higher percentage of healthy foods, um, it really inspires them to make even bigger changes. And that certainly seems to be the trend with the Blender Girl brand. Um, you know, that I just started asking people, what's your perfect blend? And I was using, you know, the the blender as a metaphor for how I think we all live our lives, which is we, you know, get pieces, little pieces of inf information that resonate with us. We cobble them together for our own perfect pieces of the pie, our own perfect blend for health and happiness, you know, blending different notes and philosophies, cultures, work, loving relationships and so forth um, to find something that works for us today. And that morphs and changes as our needs and our, our beliefs change. So for me, you know, the majority of the, the messages that I get in social media or through email or through my website is, wow, I made one recipe and, you know, my husband didn't like vegetables, but he really liked that recipe. So we decided to try another recipe and he really loved that. And then we decided to try another recipe or I made it for my children and they loved the taste like ice cream cow shake or the cream of cauliflower soup or whatever. Wow, vegetables can really be amazing. And so we started eating you know, vegetarian one day a week and then it was two days a week and now it's five days a week. And or, you know, people will write to me and say, We've made a complete change and we're we've really reduced our amount of sugar and we all have so much more energy and we've lost weight or whatever they might say. So it's about the proof is in the pudding really, where you when you really experience um, change for yourself in your own life, it has the most impact and someone just 
banging down doors and screaming at you that you're doing it all wrong and this is the way to go and it's all or nothing. You know, I always find it more inspiring to be working from a place of joy and abundance rather than depletion. So I really focus on the joy of vegetables and I just find that um, I find it more inspiring and more fun. So let's let's go back to your story, because you mentioned that you'd tried a whole bunch of extreme diets. And I know you, you had some some health issues that led to this exploration in the first place. Can you give us give us a, a thumbnail of the journey? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I grew up um, in a, a with a pretty conventional diet of meat and three veg. You know, my mum cooked really healthy, wholesome, whole foods from scratch. But I ate meat and fish and chicken, <coughs> chicken, excuse me, and regular food just like everybody else. And then when I was fourteen, I were I just was plagued with extreme lethargy, and so I just always wanted to take a nap, but you know, in the afternoon. And so my mum. Uh, you know, back then they just prescribed rest, which is really mostly what they do now too. But um, uh-huh. my mum just said, "Look, there's just got to be something we can do with food and exercise, and you know, a more holistic approach." So she took me to a naturopath, which is, you know, this is thirty something years ago. So this was very hippy dippy back then. And the naturopath suggested that I gl- give up gluten and dairy um, and meat and adopt more of a plant based diet. And I'm not a celiac; I'm not lactose intolerant or anything like that, but. I would say within 48 hours, I felt dramatically better. So um, there was really something to it. And so um, I was, I really became intoxicated with this idea of food as medicine. Um, And so, you know, I'm a type A personality. So I was just going, I was on a quest to find the perfect diet that was going to bring me to optimal health. So I did all of this research. I went to nutrition seminars. I was a voracious reader. You know, it was, um, it was, it was, you know, it was pretty extreme. And so I was macrobiotic for 10 years. I adopted Chinese yin and yang principles. I did Ayurvedic philosophies. I did a, you know, a Pritikin diet. I did a vegan diet. I was a raw foodist for a year. I was (laughs) grain-free and paleo before it was labeled paleo, all these different things, right? And all of these diets, you know, did have something to offer, you know, Um, and I did feel good, particularly when I was macrobiotic, but that's quite grain heavy. Um, And, you know, it was good. And they they all do have some really strong elements. Um, But I just still didn't feel as good as I knew I wanted to, um, or I, I I believed that I could. And the one thing that all of the diets had in common was the focus on reducing uh, processed foods and sugars and eating a lot of non-starchy vegetables and leafy greens. That Mm. seemed to be the, you know, the common theme. Uh, And so, you know, I I was just, you know, pretty, pretty locked in to, I wouldn't touch even a forkful of something, you know, that had all these so-called demonizing foods and whatever. Until finally my dad sat me down and he said, are you having any fun? Because we're not having any fun watching you eat, watching you order, and food should be fun, right? Uh, It's one of the great pleasures of life, and it is. And as simple as as those statements are and were, uh, they really resonated with me at the time. And um, 
And so roughly, you know, I, how, how old were you at this point? How many years had you been on this quest? Oh, you know, I was I was probably seventeen. Yeah, I was seventeen when he said that oh, to me. Oh, so you you were doing you were doing like adult research as a, <laughs> yes. as a middle yes. schooler and high schooler. Yeah, yeah. But that's the first time he sort of brought it up. But but when when he sort of brought it up again, um, I was in my early twenties, so I was about twenty four. So it was, you know, this, it was probably this almost 10 year sort of a thing. Um, and once it really, really resonated with me, um, I, my entire world opened up. And so I, I had a chance encounter and I went to a seminar and I met this man named Stephen Akouf and he is a, again, a voracious researcher and reader. And he really opened my eyes to the concept of bioindividuality, that there is no one blanket diet that's going to work for every human being on the planet um, and that we all have different needs, um, you know, different genealogy, stress levels, blood types, activity levels, um, pre-existing conditions and so forth. And so there is no one diet. However, as I had discovered in my research that the one – there's so much conflicting information about health and nutrition out there. You know, the paleo people – want to tell you that the vegans are doing it wrong. The vegans want to tell you that, you know, whatever. And, you know, now there's keto and there's all these different labels, you know, but the one thing that everybody agrees on is that these non-starchy vegetables and leafy greens are a boon to health and we should be eating as much of them as possible. And that really, really um, struck a chord with me. And so, you know, when it came time for me to start the Blender Girl, you know, I was at the time living in Springfield, Missouri. Oh. Uh, living in America. Yeah, I know, right? And, I, uh, I, that's, I totally associate your glamorous lifestyle with, uh, <laughs> with Missouri. <laughs> well, there, I mean, look, lo- you know, there's lovely people living there, you know, and I had a, oh. I had a nice life, you know. Um, but I had moved there uh, to marry my husband, who was from Missouri, and my life was very, very different there than what it had been, you know, traveling all over the world with my family and with theater shows and all these different things that I had been doing. Um, and it was a bit of a culture shock for me, really. It was a very, very different culture from what I had been used to. Uh, and I, um, you know, I, I'd been traveling as an actor and all this other stuff. And so I thought, gosh, I've got to do something that's going to be really fulfilling, you know. And at the time, my, my husband suggested that I start a blog you know, just to share my journey with food and, you know, blogging was really, really starting to take off, you know, in 2010, um, blah, blah, blah. And so it was a really great piece of advice. And so I started this, I wanted to, you know, I researched my website for a year before I started it. Um, and I was sitting there with, you know, with my green smoothie, looking at my blender and, you know, there's so many incredible, um, healthy living and food websites out there. They're still out there and they're amazing. Um, but I wanted to do something that was a little bit different. So I was, you know, looking for a point of difference and I was sitting there looking at my blender, thinking about all the ways that I use my blender every day. Um, and so the more I started researching blending as a method of food prep, it very quickly became a metaphor, uh, for how I live my life and how I think we all live our life. As I said, you know, um, blending different, different things together to find our perfect blend. And so that really, really spoke to me. And so I started asking people, what's your perfect blend? And one email turned into 500, turned into 5,000 and, you know, 50,000. And here we are, you know, (laughs) and so, you know, the blender girl really is about, you know, I think the blender levels the playing field in the kitchen. It means that, (laughs) 
anyone, you know, with very little skills and even less time can make something really nutritious in, uh, you know, very quickly and very easily. And so there's something to that, I think, you know, um, making things very, very accessible and digestible and doable and achievable uh, for people, you know, because we're so incredibly busy um, and we're in this very disposable kind of um, a world now where everything, everybody wants instant gratification. They just don't want to spend a lot of time doing anything, you know, but they want something of really high quality. And I think enter the blender and healthy fast food becomes possible. And so, you know, since 2010, since I started the site um, and all through the journey with my books, you know, I've got three books in a smoothies app with Random House. I've got all these series of cleanses and so forth. You know, it's no matter how people enter the brand or discover the recipes or, or the books or the app or the programs or whatever, um, the message is the same. Um, it's it's small shifts to big changes, you know, and using, um, you know, a very accessible way to enter the healthy living space um, to discover that you can do it. Um, and to for me, it's always about pushing the boundaries of what's possible with a blender, really. You know, um, I'm using it not just for smoothies, soups, cocktails, and all the usual things that you would expect. You know, you can make homemade skincare and cleaning products, compost, burgers, appetizers, full meals, you know, they're Contrary to, to popular misconception, it's not just pureed food and you don't need to co check your teeth at the door, you know. So there's there's food that you can um, you know, sink your teeth into and it's they're really blender inspired dishes, not blender only. So, you know, you, we're we're making, you know, a sauce, a chimichurri, you know, some, something that might turn an otherwise bland bowl of vegetables into something really delicious and amazing. So it's you know, it's it's really um it is a, about the enjoyment of food, the joy of it, you know, the fun of it. And I think that, yeah, it just, it just continues to resonate with people. So it's yeah. it's just very gentle. You know, I don't want to judge anybody. Um, you know, however, you know, people come to me and they'll write to me and go, oh, I, I've never really enjoyed vegetables or I don't know how to do this. And you probably think I'm stupid writing to you. I'm like, no, I want to yeah. meet people wherever they are. You know, because I'm learning too and we're all learning from each other. You know, I don't know everything and I'm never going to know everything until the day I die. We're always learning and growing and changing. And that's what's so great about the community, you know, and that's why I like, you know, the interaction so much. I mean, that's my greatest inspiration and reward is speaking to people, learning from them. You know, I, I, I recently wrote a, um, you know, a very honest email um, to my to my email subscribers and list. And it was the first time that I'd really opened up about some things that had happened to me in my personal life. And my dad has recently been diagnosed with cancer and uh, my partner, Scott, had cancer many years ago and stuff like that. And and just the the the, pour, the outpouring of correspondence, you know, and, and, and yeah. emails from people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails of people going, I've never written to you before, but I've watched all your videos on Facebook or I've got all your books or whatever. And that email just spoke to me and I just wanted to tell you that my husband has cancer right now. And you know, it, it, it's, that's, that's just one example of that. But when you, when you open up and you're authentic and approachable, it's really incredible what comes back, you know, and I want to hear about other people's story just as much as they're interested in mine, you know? So I don't right. necessarily, it's just, it's yeah. just this, it's the way of the so, world, isn't it? Right. These interactions just feed, you know, you feed, you feed each other and you listen to each other and you learn from each other. So I'm learning from the people in my community just as much as they're learning from me. Yeah. So a, a couple of things I've uh, I've noticed if I can do, you know, cheap dime store pop psychology on you. <laughs> so 
I also was looking at, you know, blogging around 2010, 2011. And I would look at like health. In fact, I was I had a um, 2005, 2006. I started doing this. And when I looked around, all this all the sites were taken. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, there's like the the woman who did her child's lunchbox, vegan lunchbox every single day. It's like, oh, that would have been a great idea. But that was taken. And so instead, you're you were looking around and seeing opportunities. And the other thing that really struck me when you were talking is so you were really, really sick, lethargic. Forty eight hours later, after giving up a bunch of foods, you felt better. And so you said you became intoxicated with the idea of food as medicine. I think I would have internalized the idea of food as poison. <laughs> right? Like, oh, I had to I was eating all these poisons that I gave them up. And you you took a totally different tack and became interested in optimal nutrition. So it's it sounds like that's sort of a either a character trait or something you've developed is looking for the upside in any situation or circumstance. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I feel like, as I said, it's just a much more positive, inspiring, fun, loving way to move through the world, you know, to, to look at challenges as opportunities. I'm always looking for the opportunities um, and, the, and the, um, the chances to expand, you know, into a different um, – uh, a different way of thinking or not even so necessarily different, but just, just a more expanded view of things and, and looking at how, I mean, I, I, you know, I really, you know, I learn more from my challenges than I do from my triumphs or my so-called failures. I don't like to use that word so much because for me, failing is just simply not trying, you mm. know, um, I often, things don't work out the way that I dreamed they would or expected or, or wanted them to work out, but they always work out the way that they're meant to. And sometimes, um, you know, we take a fork in the road or we're forced to go down a different path um, and it, it just opens up, um, you know, incredible learning opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, um, I get disappointed and angry and, and um, uh, you know, stuck in my ways and absolutely wanting to push things to be exactly the way that I want or expect them to be. But for the most part, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, my family is very much that way. It's just, well, that sucks. That really sucks that that happened, you know. But, uh, you know, what's the lesson? How, how are you going to be different because X, Y, and Z happened or because you can't do this or this or this, you know. So I do like to always be looking at what I can do as opposed to what I can't do. Um, and, it, you know, the, the, really when I started living my life that way, um, the entire world opened up for me and things just continue to grow and get better. Um, so I, I do – I. I like I said, I, I am inspired when I interact with people who are that way. Uh, and I, I find that uh, the people in my community respond to that too. So yeah, it's, it's great to, to constantly interact with other people who have that yeah. philosophy, you know, and they, we all keep spurring each other on because sometimes I, I have days where I forget about that and you just get really deflated about something or you go, really, you know, and then it's, you know, some mirror will appear, whether it's in the form of a dear friend or a colleague or a random stranger who might email me, you know, and I, and I think that's what makes life amazing. Yeah, and I, I'm wondering how much of that you can maybe attribute to your theater background where... <laughs> that's you know, so interesting. 
Having yeah, it's done, so interesting you say that. Having done, you know, some amateur stuff and just understanding the principles of of improv, of conflict. Oh, Howard, I love that you're saying this because, yes, it's true. It, the golden rule of improvisation is yes and. You don't block any opportunity. You don't block any offer. You open yourself, you listen, you react, and it's yes and, right? And I think that, I think that that's, that's very intuitive. And I think certainly uh, being an actor plays a huge part in this because you can't control what happens. You have to stay in the moment and simply be and listen, you know? And I think that, um, I think that that has had a huge influence on, on how I live my life, you know? And I think being an actor where you're, you're not, you're in control of very little except your training and showing up and being authentic, right? Making those bold choices every single day, right? But you are, you know, you're faced with a lot of rejection, you know, know? Um, and, and I think that, again, you can either choose to just go, seriously, why isn't it me? You know, I did another interview on another podcast where we talked about this very issue, you know, about, about I got very, very close to getting all of these roles, very, very big roles, and mm. I didn't. And I really believe now that it's because I didn't decide that it was going to be me, you know. Um, and with with the Blender Girl, I decided that she was going to be me, you know. And every day I decide that I'm going to be the person that I want to be, you know. So, I, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that, that acting in theatre has has played a huge role in that. Yeah. That's interesting. You're the only person that's ever connected those dots of any interview I've ever done. So it's, it's amazing. Uh, well, I, I want to connect something else, which is you, you were talking earlier about these tiny little changes that people can make that can lead to. And, and so I'm, I'm curious about. So when you say I decided that the blender girl was going to be me. Yeah, it was a, it was a decision, but it, I, I'm imagining it brought with it tons of tiny little daily actions that were slightly different than they would have been had you been half committed or not totally committed. I wonder if you can. Yeah. Does, does that, does that resonate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I always say this to people because I get this email all day, every day. What are some things I can do just to be healthier? And I think that there's five simple things that everybody can do. And certainly I started with these five things. Um, and it is uh, staying hydrated. Hmm. Um, the second thing is eating a lot of raw foods. And I'm not saying being a raw foodist and eating only raw foods, but raw foods are hydrating foods. You know, things like cucumbers, celery, carrots, berries, you know, things like that, right? They are very, you know, lettuces, cabbages, you know, cauliflower, broccoli, things like that. They've got a very, very, very high water content food. So when we cook foods, we're ostensibly dehydrating them at various levels, right? right. And so there are a lot of studies out there now that suggest that absor- the absorption of mineral-rich, nutrient-dense water that comes in the form of raw, non-starchy vegetables um, is is more bioavailable, and we're, we're more, um, we're, we're more like you know, 
it's they're more easily absorbed by the body than drinking glasses of filtered water, even the most expensive, pure filtered water, you know. Mm. So that's the second thing. So staying hydrated and ripping into the raw foods are, are connected, right? Because we don't just stay hydrated with liquids, we stay hydrated with high water content foods. The next thing is um is probiotic rich foods is making sure that we're creating, you know, like the gut microbiome has trended very heavily, you know, in the last five years. And there's a reason for it because our guts, literally the health of our internal chemistry literally rules our life and rules our health. So I think eating probiotic rich foods, eating prebiotic foods, um, you know, the other thing that the fourth thing is leafy greens is leafy greens are pretty perfect foods and chlorophyll almost has the same molecular structure as the hemoglobin in our blood. So it really helps to build healthy blood and really mineral rich alkaline forming, you know, blood is very, very important for delivering nutrients and keeping our, our body healthy. And the last thing is moving. So making sure we're engaging in some kind of movement every day, exercising, which moves our lymphatic system, it helps to, um, to, to keep us healthy. So I think that those five things is where I started. And, and within those five essential elements for health, oh, and I'm going to add a sixth thing, which is mental and emotional health, which is staying positive, being open to everything in life, being positive and loving. And, you know, because I feel like thoughts can be really toxic as well, you know, and negativity and fear can be really toxic. So within those things, yeah, I, I started incorporating those essential elements into my life and I just kept feeling better and better and better. And the better I felt, um, the more I wanted to learn and the more, because things just keep changing. We keep learning. There's more research out there every single week, every single month, you know, about little things that they're discovering or new foods or whatever. And so, yeah, I just, it's just been this lifelong learning journey, you know, where I constantly, and as I, you know, and, and going back to the acting analogy, being is about listening, you know, every single day, we just need to be listening, listening to ourselves, listening to the cues in our body, listening to the thoughts that are coming through in our heads, listening to our trusted advisors, reading, um, learning. But it's just all about listening for the cues, listening and watching for the clues that something is just not quite right. So I think that for me, I just, the, the, the minute I started adopting a more intuitive approach to health and just listening to myself and the signals in my body, you know, if you have excessive flatulence, headaches, aches and pains, you know, all sorts of things that we just associate with regular parts of life, you know, and everything from bad breath to skin breakouts to all these different things, they're all small signs that there is an imbalance in our body. And so what ends up happening, if we ignore those symptoms um, that, that seem quite small and manageable with topical creams or, or you know, an over-the-counter prescription, you know, medication or prescription medication, or all these band-aids that we put on these signs in our body that there's something not quite right, um, those small things turn into really, really big things. And that's when disease sets in, you know? So, I, I, yeah, I, I just feel like there is really something to just constantly monitoring ourselves and listening. So when people come to me and they say, you know, I think I'm allergic to avocados or, I mean, it could be anything, you know, I say, well, keep a food diary for two weeks, 
you know, and write down everything that you ate and everything that you did and how you feel and what you're thinking. And very, very quickly, a pattern starts to develop. And I'm not suggesting that we self-diagnose in life, but I do think that that anecdotal evidence that our body is giving us, you can take that to a doctor you know, or a, a health some kind of a holistic healthcare practitioner or whatever your jam is um, for further testing, you know, and, and then go to people who really know what they're doing to confirm this anecdotal um, data that you've been collecting about yourself, you know. So I do think that we can be our own investigative detectives. Well, in this yeah. Go to people, you know. Yeah, and, and what, what I love about the, the five plus one things is that, <laughs> is that – you can start doing them without needing a diagnosis, without needing to know any of the details, right? Because like when people, um, you know, try to get better or try to change something, very often they want to they want to uh, understand it at the PhD level. Yeah, right? I mean, like, I, mean I, I, can, I don't even understand it at the PhD <laughs> level. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that. I think that, you know, like I said, we all want everything to change today, you know, and I think that just slowly incorporating things. The other, the other thing that's really important about the slow moving train, it's like the tortoise and the hare analogy, is that when you make all the changes all at once, you can't actually pinpoint what change actually made a huge difference, particularly if you're trying to to, to look at food allergies or, you know, working with healthcare practitioners to, you know, there's a, there's a lot of illnesses that have very similar symptoms and, and a lot of people get misdiagnosed, you know. So I think that really monitoring yourself in consultation with, you know, trusted healthcare practitioners is how you get to the answers in inverted commas, you know. But I do think that it is slow and steady wins the race, so to speak, you know. And I think that um, you're just making one change, you know, and going, wow, that, that, that really made a little bit of a difference. And then slowly incorporating something else and slowly incorporating something else. You know, I feel like you can't just go into your house and just remove every single thing in your kitchen or every single thing. And you're just going to go cold turkey. I mean, certainly when people get diagnosed with very, very serious health conditions, you need to make dramatic changes, you know, um, cause you don't have a lot of time in some instances, you know, but I think for the most part, these symptoms that I'm talking about of sub-health or mesotrophy or whatever we want to call it, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, just a wake-up call and a bell to go, hang on a second, there's something not quite right and you need to start making some changes. Otherwise, these small things are going to turn into very big, serious things, you know. And I think that therein lies the amazing opportunity. You know, if you've just got a skin condition, and yeah, I'm not diminishing that. Some skin conditions can be very, very serious. But, you know, if you've just got a bit of a rash or – constant acne or whatever it, it's just a sign there's something not quite right and so it's a great opportunity to go wow I've got this amazing opportunity before something really really serious happens in my body to figure out what I need to be doing to be healthier yeah and I, and I, and I love that that encourages people to become the locus of control of their own health rather than outsourcing it to a pill or a cream or procedure or a, or a philosophy or a dogma yeah, dogma is an interesting thing, right? I mean, it's it's very, very associated with fear, right? They're really, um, you know, intimately connected. Um, you know, fear, you know, particularly with certain issues, we want somebody to blame, you know, or something to blame for it, you know. And similarly with dogma, we've got the answer, you know. 
And I, I just think it's a, it's more complex than that. And at the same time, it's much more simple than that, you know? And I think that, um, you know, these very simple things that I'm talking about, um, in conjunction with a lot of other things can really make, make a difference. So yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't subscribe to dogma as I once did when I was a teenager, you know, cause I wanted the answer, you know, I wanted the answer, you know, it turns out, that was there was a lot of little answers, but it all all boiled down to one thing, which which is what I, you know what we talked about in the beginning, which is um, looking for the joy and yeah. the fun the fun in it and the simplicity of it, um, and and being flexible and open, you know, and listening. And I think yeah, that's kind of the theme of our conversation, really, isn't it today? <laughs> just- yeah. Well, I just I just saw something come across my it was Facebook or Instagram feed. It's a um, a genetic test that will then tell you how to eat. And I thought, you know, well, we're going to get more and more of that sort of thing as we get more and more precision medicine and individual treatments. And like, maybe that's good for somebody, but for 99% of the people who are eating, you know, burgers and fries and pizzas, like, and they're waiting for the answer for them, as opposed to your list, like, Drink more water, eat raw foods, eat leafy greens, get through probiotic stuff, move around and look for positivity. Like I can't imagine any um, genetic test coming back and not t- and telling you, don't don't do that. You know, no, yeah, you're, I mean- you're you're genetically programmed to not exercise and to <laughs> and to be fearful. Like that's that's what will serve you best. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, I, 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 I think you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody that's going to tell you that those five things are not good for you. And that's yeah. why I, that's why I offer them up to everybody. Now, you know, there's, there's obviously exceptions to everything. You know, if you have a pre-existing thyroid condition, you have a problem with certain leafy greens, right? But that is mm. such a small percentage of people, you know? Um, and yes, there's always, um, you know, I, I do subscribe to genetic testing because I do think that understanding what your genetic predisposition is very, very powerful information. But, you know, they're also very expensive tests and not everybody can afford to do those things, right? So I do think that there is power in tests and more information. Um, but I've, I've not read anything or spoken to any doctor, um, friends or colleagues of mine or anybody um, that will tell you that those five things are not beneficial for health, you know? So... Um, I, but how, what I will say is, though, that anything, too much of anything is a bad thing. You know what I mean? Even water, right? So we cannot, when you guzzle glasses and glasses of water every day, it's diminishing returns really because we, we the body cannot absorb, can only absorb a certain amount of fluids per hour, right? So that's just a very mm-hmm. silly example. But, we, you know, too much of anything is bad. Right. And well, so, too, much, too much hydration is, is what we yes. call drowning. Right. So I just feel like um, it's back to that old adage, isn't it? Cliches are cliches for a reason, right? Because they're true. Um, everything in moderation, you know, and I think that's how I started, uh, ended the narrative of my first book, you know, because I had all these sections in the book speaking about these five things, basically. It was raw foods, alkalinity, probiotics. And then I brought in some other concepts that I dabbled with, like food combining and all these different things, right? And I, I think I said something like, you know, at this point, you're probably swearing off all of these foods for life and, you know, only deciding you're going to be a monk and only eating, you know, green smoothies or whatever. But the moral of the story is, 
you know, everything in moderation and eat your greens. I think that's how I ended the first book. But I mean, it, it, it really just goes back to that. It's, I think that, and I think that this is really, um, you know, something that is really catching on and resonating with people is that we're going back to our roots, how people ate and grew food and moved through the world a hundred years ago, you know, because we're realizing that all of the, all of these kind of so-called quick fixes and processed foods and you know, much more quicker and more manufactured ways of doing things are just not good for us. So it does go back to just cooking and and preparing very, very simple, fresh food. I mean, there is, I feel like there is nothing that a little bit of, you know, high quality olive oil and a squeeze of lemon juice and a pinch of salt can't fix. You know, I think that you can toss beautiful vegetable, beautiful vegetables together with olive oil and lemon juice and a bit of salt and your gold, you know? So I just don't think it needs to be really complicated. So, and, and there's a, there's an irony there that you're using this very, very modern machine to give us access to <laughs> the, the ways we were eating a hundred and 200 years ago. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a monk, you know? So yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah. There are these incredible appliances that make our life easy. So why not exploit them to their full potential? So yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I really think the blender is the greatest gift that we've been given since fire and spoons. You know, so so, so you know what? Let's sell us on it because I, I have uh, you know one of these you know industrial home blenders. Um, that I won't name because I know you're a, uh, oh, a, a KitchenAid. It's all right. No, you know what? I, I'm fine. As long as you've got a blender and you're using it, that's amazing. Right. Well, I want to ask because, you know, there's the, you know, there's the big two and KitchenAid, I guess, is coming out with these new. But sell us on Blender because, I you know, I make smoothies. I'll do soups. My daughter is a ninja at uh, vegan cheese. <laughs> you know. um, yeah, I mean, there's so, like, there's what, so many things. Like, what what are what are some things that uh, you know where we don't have to check our teeth at the door? Like, what give us <laughs> give us give us some greatest hits around how uh, yeah. how, how my I folks mean, can know, use the blender, you know, more yeah, creatively. I mean, I'm I'm using it. You can make crackers, you know, and, and you know, grind up your own flowers and you know, add some spices and some oil or whatever, and make make crackers you can make you know veggie burger meat you can be obviously you know people are much more um you know au fait with making their own nut milks and plant-based milks you know whether it's coconut milk rice milk help milk it doesn't have to be nut milk um you know, I'm like I said before, I'm making, you know, homemade skincare cleaning products. I'm grinding foods for my compost. I'm um Well let's talk yeah. about let's talk about that. Comp you know, because I love compost. We have a little we have a garden, we've got some rescue chickens, we have a, a, a biogas digester. How how can the blender help with that? Yeah. Well, just sometimes you just need to make things smaller and you want to create a little bit of liquid in order to make it, um, you know, degrade faster. So that's what I'm using the blender for. So what would no. you what would you put in if I were watching you make compost in your blender? <laughs> well, you you, you know, walk away for a second. Scott walks in. He says, oh, this looks this looks good. It's like a cherry chocolate smoothie. Right. And <laughs> No, I'm not liquefying it necessarily. I'm just making it smaller. You know what I mean? And then I'm going to toss it all together to make mulch. Really. Well, it's like, like what? Like banana peels? Uh, yeah, yeah. Onion like, skins? 
yeah, just, you know, doing, you know, I might, you know, just grind down the food a little bit smaller. So beets, yeah, the onions, the the peels, the whatever. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing. There's pretty much, uh, you know, nothing that I won't do. But, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of um, a lot of sauces, you know, and they're not all particularly um, all pureed. You know, I might, I just, I really, I love chimichurri and, and make doing you whatever so herbs. What, what is the, the, what is that? It's just basically an olive oil citrus base. You know, you can do. I do a combination of lemon and lime juice, a little bit of zest, olive oil, a little bit of chili, garlic, uh, and then you do herbs. And you can either fully blend it, so it's almost like a green goddess dressing, or you can just keep it very, very loose and pulse in herbs. You know, I often do. I'll do, um, you know, mint, uh, chives, cilantro, basil, things like that. Right? It's just be- this beautiful fresh herb dressing. You know, and traditionally people put it on meat. You know, but you can um, do everything with it. You can put it on grilled, roasted, or steamed vegetables or sauteed vegetables. You can put it in salads. You know, it's just a really beautiful, um, nutrient dense, delicious, zesty dressing that just goes on so many different things. You know, I'll do sometimes I'll do, you know, a cauliflower rice bowl with grilled, roasted, or raw vegetables, and I'll just drizzle that over the top, you know, and it just gives everything, you know, a lot, a lot more flavor. You know, I might make a beautiful curry sauce. I might make, you know, a beet, a beautiful roasted beet sauce. I might do, you know, sweet potato. You know, there's just so many different things that we can do to make vegetables taste incredible. Right. And I think that so, that's my favorite way to use a blender. Gotcha. So, um, you know, in, in, in terms of health and weight loss, I recommend that people stay away from the oils. Can you, and uh, so, a lot, you know, a lot of listeners will be wondering why I haven't, you know, interrupted you and ju- jumped up and down about <laughs> when you mentioned olive oil. But is there, you know, and I'm understanding that when, you, when you're making this sauce, it might be a couple of tablespoons of olive oil over an entire dish as opposed to the way Americans use olive oil. But can, can we do this oil free too? Is that, is that a, an avenue? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've got a really, um, a really great oil free salad dressing. And the best way to make an oil-free dressing is to use vegetable broth. So um, vegetable broth and then I roast garlic. So I'll roast two heads of garlic and I always wrap it in baking baking paper and mm. then put the foil around just so it, it, it steams it but it doesn't burn it. So it slowly roasts it without getting it burnt. And then it's just this beautiful caramelized note and it adds a really delicious creaminess to sauces and dressings. So I'll use vegetable a vegetable broth with roasted garlic and I'll blast that in the blender with herbs and spices and it's absolutely delicious. So mm. and a bit, bit of lemon juice or lime juice and zest. And that's a really, really beautiful oil um, and uh, fat-free dressing. So, yeah, it's delicious. Great. And when you say baking paper, would I know that as parchment paper? Sorry, sorry, parchment paper. Yes, I apologize. Parchment paper. So, yeah, um, as I was saying and I went, oh, yeah, thank you for catching that. So, yeah, parchment paper is amazing, you know. So um, I I think that vegetable broth is a really, really great tool for people that are avoiding oil and roasted garlic, you know, and herbs. And then nuts and seeds, you know, which are fats as well. Um, but they're not oils. So yeah, but, but if you want to be completely, you know, steer clear of fats, then, um, oils, I should say, um, then yeah, vegetable oils go. Gotcha. So do you just buy the veggie broth or can you make it using your blender? Well, you can. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, typically for me when I'm making vegetable broth, I just will slow simmer 
you know, over the course of six to eight hours, um, any vegetables I have on hand, herbs, spices, and then I'll just reduce it down and I'll strain it. So <laughs> I don't always use my blender for everything I do. Okay. But you could, like sometimes what I'll do is if I want to just infuse a little bit of flavor into a broth, I will take, you know, a couple of cups of the broth and I will puree in some roasted garlic or something, you know, because I mean, garlic is incredible for our immune system, you know, and it's very, very, um, it, you know, it's a really incredible health promoting food. So um, I, I do use garlic. Now, there are people that avoid alliums. They don't want to eat onion, garlic, things like that. Um, so in those instances, you know, fresh herbs and spices are amazing. But sometimes I what I love about the blender is sometimes I do it, it's kind of like the socialist of the food world right <laughs> like you get an equal you know sip or taste or bite or spoonful of something when you blend things together there's an alchemy you know when you said sell us on the blender my biggest selling point for a blender is this there is an alchemy that's created with the flavor of food when we blend them that cannot be created any other way so the best example of that is something like there is a mind-blowing flavor that you can achieve when you blend red bell pepper with strawberries, which is a seemingly ludicrous combination, but they have a similar flavor profile and they go so beautifully together. And it is just, you cannot even describe in words the flavor that you get when you blend those two things. And you cannot achieve that flavor when you chop or dice them finely and toss them in a salad. You simply cannot oh. get the flavor. It's the same phenomenon when we blend you know, cashews and water and vanilla to make cashew cream or when we blend those things to make nut cheeses like your daughter is doing, right? We cannot achieve that any other way. Even if we grind it really, really small, you know, so much of the enjoyment of food is about the texture. Mm -hmm. And when something is smooth and the ingredients are evenly dispersed and incorporated, the food actually tastes different. There's a reason why when we when we chop and dice and mince and grate foods, they taste different. Um, and so... For me, you know, I'm constantly wanting to discover those flavor combinations. Like when I discovered bell pepper and strawberries was the happiest day of my life, you know, yeah. and there's so many other examples of that, right? These these flavors, when they're blended, they're just extraordinary, you know, and I like to go, I, you know, on a flavorful journey with my food. I like things to, you know, so much food, particularly smoothies, they're just one note. It's just sweet. Mm -hmm. That's it, you know. I like to have you know, a beautiful front-end note that expands across the palate, uh, the palate and an incredible back-end flavor. And I want the flavors to continue and expand, you know, as I'm experiencing them, much like you do with a tech, a really well-balanced textured dish. It's no different, you know, when you're completely blending things. So, yeah, I mean um, – yeah, there's just so many different things you can do with it. And I'm, I'm, I, I love it when I discover something else that I go, oh, amazing, you know. So now, you know, you can emulsify and froth and all these different things. You know, it's great. So we're constantly, you know, there'll just be more products that come out in the next few years that make it even more incredible. Gotcha. So I'm curious how you went from, you know, um, am amateur solo blog to to <laughs> – you know, uh, you know, to having your books, to becoming a, a brand ambassador for wonderful brands to be featured. Like, was there was it your, you know, your acting background? Was it connections? Like, you know, when I look at when I look at you, I think like, oh, I'd love for my daughter to to see what you've done, to see what's possible. Um, like, how, what's, what, yeah. what was what was your what was your approach? And did you did you have an end in mind? Like when you said, I'm going to become the blender girl. Did you see all this or was it sort of? one step at a time. 
Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not going to be coy or shy about it. I'm a highly, highly strategic businesswoman. So, I, you know, for me with anything in life, whether you're running a business or just have a goal or a dream, the what determines the how. So I reverse engineer everything. So I figure out what it is that I want and then I figure out how I'm going to get there. And nobody can go through life and achieve great things or achieve their dreams without help. We always have to have trusted advisors, strategic partners, and loving confidants and friends and soldiers, right? And so those three elements, you know, they, they always form the, the basis of my triangle in life, right? So I didn't have a lot of connections per se, um, but I attracted those people to me. And I really, really believe in the fact that like attracts like, and that um, when you put yourself out there in a really authentic way, and you're your, your content is of a really high standard and quality, uh, people come to you. And I, know, I don't b- believe in the philosophy of build it and they will come because we simply know that is not true except for in field of dreams, right? So, <laughs> um, so what I mean by that is, you know, figuring out what you want to do, who you want to have on your team and in your world in order to help you get there and figuring out ways that your world and their world intersect. And so for me, uh, particularly with my brand partnerships, it was always, you know, I made a list of the people that I used, I authentically used in my life and things that really, really made my life better. And I don't work with any brands that I don't genuinely use in my life. So I have to always have anecdotal evidence in my own life of why that thing is incredible before I will work with someone. So you'll probably notice it's the same 20 people that I'm always working with. And for somebody new to come into my world, I have to use the product for at least six months and really kind of figure out how that would work in my story and how I would use it, you know, before I will do, I will work with anybody. And so I'm, I'm really, really, um, particular about that, but I do think that, um, you know, I, I figured out what I wanted to achieve And then I worked backwards. And I think that, you know, certainly when I consult with people and I work with brands in that capacity, um, you know, I will adopt that same philosophy with anybody that I'm working with to help them achieve what they want to achieve, you know. So it is um, just get really, really clear about what you want to achieve and then figure out who you're going to need to partner with. And, And when I say partner with, I'm not just talking about brands in business. I'm talking about the friends that you want to have in your life by your side that are in your life right now, your family, uh, what skills you need to acquire in order to get there. It might require more training. You might need to go take classes. You know, you've got to learn and become, you know, I didn't become a blender expert overnight. You know, when I decided that I was going to start the blender girl and I realized that I needed to be an appliance expert, I slowly bought every blender on the market you know, <laughs> because I needed to know what was out there and I needed to be able to legitimately and genuinely answer people's questions about different blenders. You know, when someone comes to me, you know, I'll get 500 of these emails a week, you know, but comes to me and says, I'm using such and such blender and it leaks out the bottom or it doesn't this. And I want to be able to go, you know what? Yeah, I've used that. And that <laughs> happened to me too. Or, mm, okay, well maybe, you know, if you just screw it on, blah, 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 or whatever. Right. So, um, you know, that same philosophy extends to so many other things, but I just want to make sure, you know, what is that sports analogy? Luck is when preparation, um, 
and something meet, right? But it is that thing of I don't I don't believe in coincidences and chances. I I believe that we prepare ourselves for our own fate, you know. And I think being prepared um, is is the best thing that you the best gift that you can give yourself is constantly being prepared and open. And being prepared means arming yourself with knowledge every single day, studying, becoming better, um, you know, every single day, so that when the right opportunity and the right connection into your life, you are prepared to have that conversation and wow those people to capitalize on that so that they want to be in your orbit and they want to partner with you in whatever whatever capacity, you know, um, it turns out to be. But that's certainly how I built things. Um, and you know what, you know, how the, the, I'm constantly still surprised. As strategic as I am, you know, I mean, so much of what I planned has already happened and almost exactly to the month that I planned that it would, you know. So um, I, I, I don't ever hide that, that way of doing business with anybody. Cause I think it's a great way to do business, you know, but I do love it when I'm surprised and I'm forced to take a fork in the road and go, wow, I didn't think they come to me, you know, mm. you know, typically when, when I'm talking to people about building a business, you know, I, I, do, I don't believe in build it and they will come, but I do believe in build it, hang a shiny lantern and lead them to your door. You know, and by that, I mean, you know, if you want something, you got to let people know that you want it, you know, and you got to let them know that you're using it. So, you know, it might be something very simple where I might, you know, share with people what I'm using, what I'm doing. And then eventually those people will, will see that I'm using that product all the time. And they always come to me, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, and I'm sorry because I'm talking to you and you're a man, but for the women listening, it's kind of like, I, I, I say this is a hilarious but sort of sometimes controversial thing, but it's kind of like dealing with a man, right? Dealing with a lot of men. You seed things and then they come to you thinking it's their idea, but it was actually your idea all along. You just inspired them, you know? So I kind of feel like when you're working with brands, it's a little bit that way, you know, and working with partners where – you know, you, you come together and you don't really know whose idea it was, you know, mm-hmm. but you both had a similar idea and you met in the middle to work together to make that dream a reality. And I kind of feel like those are always the best partnerships when you go, wow, we were over here working towards a similar goal and you were over there and we both have these similarities. Let's work together to amplify that message to inspire people. And those are the partnerships that that get me really fired up when it's value added for everybody, you know, and when we can bring, you know, two communities together who have similar interests and goals and, and work together to do something even more interesting. Um, and you know, that goes back to what I was saying before, which is we just, we cannot do it alone, you know, and this is, this is the other thing too, that a lot of people who are out there that have a dream of creating something from scratch and they're like, Oh my goodness. You know, I get asked this question all the time oh, you're the spokesperson for this brand and that brand and you do all these things with all these people. And that that certainly was not the way that it started for me. You know, I literally was out there living in Springfield, Missouri with not a contact in the world. I did not know one other blogger. I did not work know anybody that worked at any brand. You know, I was not, it wasn't like a friend knew a friend who ran that company. That That's just not my story. And I would be very honest if that was my story. But it, I mean, it's my story now, you know, but it was not my story. Um, and I just slowly slowly, slowly built my army, you know, of, of trusted advisors, friends, followers, you know, whatever, whoever's in the army, we're all different. Right. Um, 
And, and, and my army is also the people that I'm looking up to for inspiration or looking to, you know, for inspiration and conversation, um, to learn from, you know, it's everybody's in that army, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say to anybody that's listening, you know, you know, the, the can do, and I'm going to do it and deciding that you're going to do it is a really, really huge part of it. And I think it's the, the number one piece that always has to be in place, you know, is just, Viewing every setback, every rejection, every no. I, like for me, every single day, I just remember that no full stop is a complete sentence and it means saying yes to something that's going to be better. Uh, and better doesn't mean that the other thing was crap. It just means that it wasn't the right fit today, you know, and sometimes no is really, really painful to hear no, but it just spurs you on to get a yes from someone who wants to give their yes to you. And when you're working with people that want to give their yeses to each other, that's where the magic happens. And so for me, if someone doesn't want to give their yes to me today, then it's not the right fit today. And it just would not have been very much fun for me, you know, and probably not very much fun for them either. So I'm just always looking for people that are going to say yes to me and really, really want to say yes to me. And I want to say yes to them, you know, and mm. I think sometimes we see no as a very negative thing, but I choose to see no as a positive thing now. It's just kind of like, okay, great. Thank you. Glad that we know the, glad that we know where we stand with each other and it's no today. And maybe it'll be yes, 10 years from now, you know? And I think that that again, goes back to the acting thing as well. It's like, if mm. you're buying, te- if you're buying tests today, I have got what you need in spades. If you are not buying tests today, then good luck and go to Howard and he's probably going to give you what you need, you know? And I think that, and it's so interesting how things come full circle, right? In life, you know, I, you know, always constantly have people that will reach out to me that I worked with or intersected with back in 2011, you know, and they'll write to me and say, I don't know if you remember me, but we met at such and such. Yes, I do. Oh my goodness. Where have you been? You know? And all of a sudden that, intern who I was having a green smoothie with in the corner because I didn't know anybody and she didn't know anybody is now running the marketing department at such and such company, you know? And I think there is something to meeting people wherever they're at and just having a conversation regardless of what you think they can do for you. That just, yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing as, you know, as, as you're talking about being highly strategic, but it's also not being highly strategic at anyone's expense, no, gosh, no, no. I mean, I, I, for me, I feel like, you know, I always want to leave with minimal collateral damage. And I always hope that damage is to myself, you know, because I can clean that up, no problem, and feel just fine about the fact that I'll be better for it tomorrow. But I don't really want anybody else to pay. And sometimes other people do pay for your choices. And in that instance, you apologize, you make amends and you hope, you know, you move forward, whatever that looks like. But yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, again, it's kind of like ambition, strategy, they they sort of get these negative connotations associated with them. But I think it's a really important distinction that you make that being strategic doesn't necessarily mean that you're being predatory. You know, being strategic is just or even or even connecting the dots. It's connecting the dots for yourself. You know, yeah. connecting the dots and fig- it's kind of like when you get in a car, right? I, I look at strategy similar to a GPS that we all are familiar with, right? I can get in a car and I can either decide that I don't want to know where I'm going and I can only see a hundred feet in front of me, right? And I'll figure it out as I go along, which is certainly a way to do things. But I prefer to have a GPS, know exactly where I'm going. 
and then I can steer my car in that direction, you know, um, in a, in a, in a conscious way. And that, that's how I like to view strategy. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily taking advantage of people to get there. Yeah. Or, or even like the way I have thought about strategy in my own life is that I have this agenda. And when I meet people, I'm sort of, my brain is looking at them as in, you know, do you fit my agenda or do you not? And it's, it's, it feels to me like a very crappy way to go through life. Like I'll go to an event and I'm thinking like, who are the important people that I need to meet and who are the unimportant people who are just going to get in my way? And I find when I let go of that, it's, it feels very unstrategic. But when I'm just treating people as, you know, divine receptacles of of light and spirit or whatever, that I'm just, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to use people to, to further my agenda that not only do I feel better, but it furthers my agenda. Yeah. I mean, I have to tell you that, um, the older I get, I don't go to very many events, you know, because (laughs) I find, I find them exhausting, you know, and it is that thing, particularly living in Los Angeles where, you know, you'll be talking to someone and they're constantly looking over your shoulder to see if there's somebody bigger or better in the room that they can be talking to. And (laughs) I certainly do not like feeling that way. And so I don't go to very many things. Um, when I do go to things, yeah, it's just, who's the most interesting person I'm going to meet tonight? And it's often somebody's wife or somebody's husband or somebody's daughter or son who has nothing to do with anything. It's like, you just meet these incredibly interesting people, you know, and I've met some of my best friends that way. You know, they're just there. They have nothing to do with the event. They came with a friend. They don't know anybody. And I just have this incredible conversation with them about life. And I mean, I think that that's, um, that, that definitely comes from my dad. He just constantly asks questions of people and he always, you know, whether it's at the grocery store, at a restaurant, whatever, he always asks what the person's name is when they first come up to him and he calls them by that name for the whole night, you know, Mm. and I do that now too, you know, and you just meet incredible people that way, you know, and he also has this other thing where he says, you know, only unhappy people treat other people badly. When you're happy, you're not confronted by other people's happiness because you have it. Right. And it's so, so true. You know, when we meet people they're really mean or nasty or aggressive or short. He just goes, oh, you know, oh, Howard, I hope your day gets better. And they just go, excuse me. And he goes, well, it just seems like you're having a bad day. You know, and they just, their entire attitude changes. They go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my husband lost his job or I just found out my, my son has cancer or whatever. You know, it's always something. Every yeah. single time he says it, every single time. And it's so true. And I've grown up my whole life watching him in that way. And he just takes people at face value for who they are. And as a result, we have this incredible family of friends and chosen family, you know, because he lives his life that way. So I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, and my parents have just been staying with me for a month. They just dropped them off at the airport last night. Um, You know, I think that we become each other's living legacy, right? When you, when you have meaningful people in your life and they touch you, you carry a piece of them with you or their philosophy, or, you know, they become a voice in your head for something. Um, you know, so I think that, yeah, you know, going to anything in life, it's just showing up and having a conversation. It goes back to that improvisation thing all over again, right? Showing up, listening and having a conversation. And I think that if you adopt that attitude with anything that you're doing, just be who you are and don't be afraid to show who you are and respect other people's um, story as they come to you and just listening. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll meet people and they are just not my jam, but I can respect the difference and send them off with love and just know that their best and my best does not belong in the same glass today. And that's okay. 
But, you know, I send them off with love. You know, it doesn't mean that we have to be in consult with everybody that we meet in life, you know. But it is certainly interesting to have conversations with people that you vehemently um, disagree with, you know. But if you can respect each other's views and have a conversation, you still learn. I mean, I learn from people that are more different from me than I do from people that are similar. And we're more similar than we are different. And that is just a reality that I truly believe in. And so my friend Felicity, this is a dear friend of mine. She's my oldest friend, actually. She has this great saying where she goes, you know what? I don't worry about liking people because if I talk to them enough and I ask them enough questions, I find something I like about anybody. Mm. And it's true. It's really, really true. And it's a really beautiful way to be. But so, yeah, I mean, being strategic doesn't necessarily mean that you're always looking for the opportunity with everybody that you meet. I mean, I think the opportunity is just simply very, very simple to listen and learn, you know, whatever that means. So, yeah, it uh, sounds all very uh, crystal hippie now, doesn't it, Howard? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the, the, the proof of the smoothie is in the drinking. (laughs) yes yes yeah so i just have one one final question so you know um i don't know if you remember where we we met at the like the happy the herbivore store in portland at the uh, vita vegan con conference 2012 yeah and when i went to your website in preparation for this interview i wasn't actually sure if you were still vegan you know there's a lot of bloggers who are like former <laughs> vegan, like balanced yeah. and, you know, yeah. but, and, and I know, you know, you said, you know, that, that, that you are, but it feels like you're, you haven't um, like aimed for the vegan community. You're, you're sort of an outreach ambassador. As you said, at the very beginning, you're gluten-free and vegan, but you don't really talk about it. That you've made a decision to, to, to go into the wide world and spread this message of, you know, the five or six things without being doctrinaire. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious about, you know, what, you know, when I met you, was that where you were at or was that like a, a decision or like, how, how did you end up? No, I mean, in- I, I am still vegan. I'm absolutely vegan and, and proud of it. You know, I'm proud. Sure, but you don't, you don't, you don't do the, you don't do the veg fests. You don't write for the vegan. Like you're not, you're not hustling within the vegan choir. You're out, you're out um, in the world. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of these people and they're lovely, you know, and they're certainly friends of mine. Um, yeah, you know, I have to be honest. I I'm trying to think if, how many times I've been invited to speak at those things. And I don't think very many times, you know, I, I just have, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would say, whether I just haven't been embraced by that community. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I just, um, for me, like, as I said, you know, my message is just very simple, eat more vegetables and whatever your dietary stripes and however you're living, we, you know, the one thing that everybody agrees on is that vegetables and plant-based foods are good for us. And so um, do I think that we should all be eating more plant-based foods? Yes. Do I think it's a more sustainable way of moving through the world? Absolutely. Um, and it's thrilling to me when many, many people every month tell me that they um, are eating more plant-based or they've become vegan and they're feeling so much better for it. Uh, What I will say about that is I will go back to bio-individuality, that one blanket diet will not work for everybody. Um, And there are some 
there are some people who have, um, you know, blood types or, or ways of moving where they, they feel better when they eat a small amount of animal protein. And I'm not going to ostracize those people for that life choice, you know? Um, but I should, should they be eating mostly plant-based? Yes. I really do believe that. I think that that's a good, healthy choice for everybody. Um, you know, I I go to vegan events. I'm in the vegan community. I support my vegan colleagues. I absolutely love that community. I also love people in other communities that are spread, spreading their version of a healthy message. And can I intersect and work with all of those people? Absolutely, I can. So I think it just goes back to the same thing. Yes, and. So anyone that wants to come and have a conversation with me, you know, I have some paleo friends who eat huge amounts of meat, you know, but they, you know, there are ways that our philosophies of, of wellness intersect, you know, which is eating leafy greens, eating non-starchy vegetables, you know, all that sort of stuff. There's, there's, there's a point of connection with, with everybody that I meet, you know, for the most part. So for me, I, you know, you know, again, I, I just, I just really want to be being open to everybody. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, like I said, I love the vegan community and I love all these other communities. So for me, yeah, I just simply go back to the same message. So I do, I would say that, um, I do have a lot of people that are vegan who follow my website and reach out to me. And then I have a lot of people who just want to be healthier and they want to eat more plant-based dishes and they just want delicious, beautiful food. I mean, and that would be the vast majority of the people in my community um so it's it's a little bit of everything really but yeah I mean I I it wasn't necessarily a conscious choice I would say um it it, it just sort of evolved that way you know um but yeah there's certainly a little bit of everything I don't know if I answered the question very well but yeah yeah I mean I you know I I see you as someone who is f- facing outward into the world rather than inward into a community, you know, that already has decided how they're going to eat. It feels it feels like you are taking people who've never thought about this stuff before and and giving them a simple step, like the, the person who said, my husband hates vegetables and he liked this dish. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's yeah, that's a, s- that's a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 um, I only look inward as a vehicle to looking in a more expansive way outward. So, yeah, I mean, that that certainly is my mission to get as many people as possible to be eating more vegetables than they were yesterday. That is that is simply, that is very, very si- simply my mission, you know? Mm-hmm. So what, what I find, as I said at the beginning of the interview, is that um, I find that this gentle approach brings a lot of people into the fold, so to speak, right? When you have that personal experience with the power of what vegetables can do for your health and for your well-being and figuring out how delicious and fun they can be, you want to eat more of them. And I feel like that that's, that's a more inspiring approach to me than knocking somebody over the head with a hammer. Right, right. So I have one, one final question that I'm, I'm, I'm almost afraid to ask it. Because <laughs> um, it's it's off topic, it's kind of personal, it's really self indulgent. Oh, um, that's right. But I'm I'm curious, like, is how how does uh, your partner Scott eat? And I'm asking because he is my favorite audiobook narrator of all time. And you know how it is, like, you know, people listen to this podcast and they hear my voice and they feel like they know me. But I'm not a professional voice person. Like, like I have imprinted on him <laughs> in just a terrible <laughs> fanboy way. <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny. No, he will he will love to hear that. And he is a really lovely, lovely, lovely person. Uh, and yes, he gets oh jeez. I, I mean they're just beautiful, beautiful emails from people every single day. He's millions and millions of followers. And I mean he's the most prolific narrator on Audible, right? So he does all huge books, you know. He um he was um a vegan for many, many years, particularly when he had cancer and he was very, very open sharing his story. Um, and then he just was very, very tired and didn't, didn't feel as good as he wanted to feel. So he eats, um, a little bit of fish and chicken now, but he's mostly vegan. Mm -hmm. So, but so he eats a, you know, just a healthy whole foods diet you know? Um, and he ate a lot of sugar and a lot of processed foods when I first met him. And he's a very serious type one insulin dependent diabetic. Um, mm. and so, um, he doesn't do that anymore. So he eats, um, you know, in a really healthy way, um, eats a lot of non-starchy vegetables, a lot of salads. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a, it's a, his personal story is incredibly inspiring, you know, as a diabetic and as a cancer thriver, you know, mm. it's really, really inspiring because, you know, there's two, two choices to make when you're faced with a health crisis. You either research and realize you need to make some changes or you don't, you know, there's right. only two ways of doing it. Right. <laughs> and he really went down path a and, and made the changes that, that he needed to make to be a lot healthier, you know, and he would, he would tell you, he would tell you that, you know, so it's, um, it's, it's really, really, really inspiring because he just did a complete 180 from the way that he lived his life, you know? Um, so yeah, he's, um, He's doing really, really, really well. That's tonight. great. And, and I found myself wondering that. I was listening to one of the stories he was reading, and there was a section where the person, the protagonist is eating like hamburgers or cheeseburgers. Yeah. And I wonder, like, <laughs> is that hard for him to read? No, no. I mean, he's an actor, and he's yeah. a great actor. He's a great actor, you know. So I think that, yeah, he um, he – he just sits in that booth and becomes the character, you know, <laughs> and tell, tells the story. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful way to make a living, isn't it? To be paid to read to somebody, right? Um, audiobooks, yeah. it's a very intimate medium, you know, because you're, you're, you're telling a story to one person. And I don't think there's anything sexier in the world than telling somebody a story. It's amazing. Right. So, do, you, do, that, you do, do you do audiobooks as well? I did audiobooks uh, when I first moved back to LA. So I've done about about twenty audiobooks, but I, I do it very very rarely now, just because I don't have time. You know, um, right. just I just have so much other stuff going on, and I travel so much, so I'm I'm all over the world yeah. all the time. So I just I don't. There's it's very rare that I would have a two week period where I could record yeah. a book like that. Um, but I still do a lot of a lot of other voiceover. I I do it under another name now, just because it's just you know it's just safer safer that way. You know, because I I work with you know brands and have my own brand. And there's, you know, I do quite a lot of video games and things, and it's, you know, it's just easier saw, that way. I saw yeah. that on your website. What? I'm just really curious. Like, what does that involve to be the voice of a character in a video game? <laughs> well, do you, do you like the, pretend the, to like wave swords and stuff so you get in yeah. character? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, not necessarily, but you have to stand in the booth and scream and die and, you know, <laughs> doing. They're called efforts and effects. You know, where you've got to be running. Like sometimes it's just you have to just be running and that's all you're doing. It's just hilarious, you know, or you'll you'll be um, you know, 
some alien or some whatever will be trying to kill you and you've got to scream and die and some chains you know choking you around the neck or something i mean it's it's actually it's very fun really but it's just pure fantasy it's fabulous so you know it's a great outlet for me you know i i like that my day is different every single day you know and i love that you just don't know how it's going to be and that that's the fun of it right it's just a different adventure every day so you know, one day I'll be speaking somewhere around the world. Another day I'll be in the booth recording a video game. Another day I'll be, you know, um, cooking something. Another, you know, it's just, it's great. It's great. Yep. And, and that comes back to what I first said is like, I really just wanted to uh, get an infusion of creativity and fun and joy from the way, <laughs> from the way you're helping, you know, millions of people discover and approach health. So Tess. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for everything you do and for taking the time today. Thank you. It was lovely to talk to you. All right. Well, be, be well. I'll include uh, links to everything you're up to that you, that you can talk about in, in the show notes so people can, <laughs> can follow you. They can, they can discover how to blend um, red peppers and strawberries. Yeah, you got to try it, yeah. Howard. It's really good. I will. I'll, I, will yeah. go, I will go look that up. So. Yeah, look for look for the strawberry ice cream on my website. Just make it, and you'll thank me later. All right, I'll do that. Yeah. Thanks. It was nice to talk to you. Have a great week. You too. Bye, Tess. Bye. All right, that was a good one, wasn't it? Lots of practical information, lots of inspiration, lots of knowledge thrown at us. So uh, if you want to find out more, you can check out the show notes for today's episode, which is plantyourself.com slash 304. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 303 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And hey, if you've got the time, now would be a great time to go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find out how to do that at plantyourself.com slash review. In garden news, we had a really nice weekend and we spent some time pulling out the dead holy basil, the Tulsi plants that have taken over the garden like weeds. It's an amazing plant. Lots of medicinal uses, but the thing is taken over the garden like a weed and to make room for spring planting, we pulled some out and prepared some beds. So that was all fun. Um, in running news, I did sign up for an ultra on January 26th. It's called the uh, NC North Carolina Fat Ass 50K. I'm, I'm told that uh, the fat ass comes from um, these events that are put on free in January to help people uh, slim down after holiday indulgences. I'm, I'm happy to say that that's not my reason for doing it. I just wanted to have a thing to train for. And so this past weekend, I ran 21 on Saturday and uh, a little over seven on Sunday. So it feels good to be to be back in the grind, having a, uh, a hard, scary event to force me to, uh, to push myself in my training. All right, time for thanks. Thanks, of course, to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. Listen to it now. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkanovsky, David Weizig, Mysterious Michelle X, Elizabeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Ronda Circus, Kelly, Cameron Wayne, Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Tunette Ben and Gil, Sert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Thunderbird, Misha Rosen, Michael. Warbeck. 
the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Carper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Lamberty, The Panda, Vegan, Craig Kobik, Adam Sharp, Karen Burney, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Shell Rudliff, Julian Rockins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Roseland, Ayat, Julie Lang, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lel, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Shara Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle Land, Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divot, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Penny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Lean, and Patty Martino, Mike and Donna Cards, Ian Bishop, Bill Elf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis. Kelly Molden, Tricia Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, and Lindsay Bayshore for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mauro, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barnes, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selbig, Air Adams, Tom Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gail Lacerte, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Tarona Vizo, Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner, with Anne Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis... Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, and Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divot, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Lehman. Petty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Cartson, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullish, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedable Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>